Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Kelly Stewart. Welcome to episode one of the Think Orphan podcast, where we seek to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. We are so excited that today is here and that we get to launch our first podcast. What do you think about that, Phil? I'm just so excited as well. I mean, this is a day that has been a long time coming, something I've been excited about, something that I think will really um, be able to make a difference in the world. And that's the hope anyway. So, I mean, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that we really get to interview people who are doing this stuff in different places in all four corners of the earth. And these aren't just people who are up in ivory towers just thinking about these issues but there are people that are getting their hands dirty there are people that are actually doing things so that's just why I'm so excited to be able to share some of these conversations that I get to have and you get to have with people that are also doing this work and so it really is a conversation on very tough issues very difficult issues that you know a lot of them we don't have answers for right now but we can work through it together and hopefully come up with some things that will help us get to that next step and then to take the next step, and so on and so forth. There's no silver bullet in all this stuff, but this podcast is is something that I think will really be able to help people in all kinds of different ways. And uh, I know the first interview that we were able to do is with Jed, Med- Jed Medifind with Christian Alliance for Orphans. And the second is with Peter Greer. And just, you know, those conversations alone are, are worth it to do all this. We're going to have so many more. So I'm just really excited about that. But before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of where we're going to be going with this podcast and just kind of talking a little bit more about the issues that we're facing in the orphan crisis today. Um, I just want you to be able to share a little bit about your story with the audience because most, most of the people out there don't know you. So Kelly, just you know, share a little bit about your story with, with everyone. Well, it's pretty plain to hear that I am uh, from the South, and so I was born and raised in, um, born in Mississippi, raised in Tennessee, um, to amazing parents, and uh, just had a, a great childhood. Um, during uh, college, just began to sense a call in my life to ministry, and wasn't really sure what that looked like, um, and just really narrowed it down to to social work and counseling and just how can the church uh, meet the needs of people, uh, their physical needs and their spiritual needs. And so from there, I uh, went to uh, Southwestern Seminary and got a master's of uh, religious education and then went on to get a master's of social work from the University of Tennessee. And so after um, Graduating, I really just started to dive into different areas of social work. I've worked in things from um, domestic violence units at a police department providing counseling, um, from early intervention with children at, that had some special needs. I worked with special needs adults and uh, ultimately landed in uh, adoption social work and did that for about five, six years and absolutely loved it. Um, and I forgot to even mention that I am married and I have been married for 18 years. Uh, we have four children um, that are range in age from 14 to six, uh, two girls, two boys, and our youngest is adopted and I'll, get, I'll share a little bit about that as well. Um, but while I was uh, working in adoption, just God began to really um, 
give me a greater understanding of the orphan crisis around the world, obviously. Um, and and after working in that a, a few years, uh, my husband and I traveled to Africa. And when we were in Africa, really just uh, saw the extreme poverty, uh, the extreme effects of poverty on that affects families and ultimately children. Um, and from there, um, just felt God calling us to, uh, to adopt. And so four years ago, we adopted a little boy from Ethiopia. Um, he, he was two and a half at the time. And um, that was one of the best decisions we've ever made, but also one of the most difficult ones to actually journey um, when we brought him home. And so just seeing um, a little child come to life, uh, seeing the effects of a family and love, but also seeing the effects of trauma and how that plays out um, for years. And so we were just um, overwhelmed uh, with love for him, but also overwhelmed with not knowing what to do. And so from that really just began to dive into uh, just how do you care for these traumatized children? Mm. Um, So then over the last uh, three years, God is actually, um, three to four years, God has moved our family twice across country. We lived in Seattle uh, for about a year, and then God moved us uh, to the Northern California area where we are now. My husband's a pastor, and uh, we're part of a great church here in the area, and I just continue to um, speak about adoption, do some post-adoption counseling for families, um, and I'm super excited just to be a part of this podcast and get to hear from um, just the leading experts in the field of how we can alleviate the orphan crisis around the world. That's just a fascinating story in the nutshell that you were able to provide us. Uh, for, for the, uh, as you might imagine, there is a whole lot more to Kelly's story. And because we, we know we can't cover it all in this short podcast uh, show today, we actually are going to do an interview with each other where we're gonna take about a half an hour or so to be able to share and dive into each other's story a bit deeper. But one of the things that Kelly neglected to mention is she's also a uh, great guest lecturer. Uh, and she has been able to do that actually for my class uh, that I'm able to teach at, at William Jessup University. And I know she does all kinds of other seminars and classes with, with people on, on adoption issues, on some um, just from her social work background as well as, as their personal experience. So that's something that um, she definitely has been doing this stuff, has been living it it for a very you know long time and so I, I neglected to mention though those interviews you can find those on thinkorphan.com if you want to hear more of our personal stories and our personal journeys to orphan care and to all the work that we've been able to do in that context so uh, Kelly yeah that's something that um, I definitely can't you know relate to personally to a lot of that stuff but just hearing a lot of your stories that you've been able to share with me um about your journey with uh with your son um how has it uh affected your you know the work you've been able to do in this the education that you've had in social work to actually live it out on a daily basis and see the the kind of the theory and practice meet because mm-hmm. that's a lot of what we're going to talk about on this show. 
Absolutely. I mean, we definitely, um, I think we thought that adoption was a magic bullet and that we would just bring him home and uh, that we would um, cocoon for a few months and that we would we would heal him up physically and give him all the love he needed. And then in two to three months time, we would be, you know, everything would be adjusted and things would look great. And, you know, so I think just the... Um, the theory of love is the only thing these children need was very much uh, disillusioned for us. And just being able to see, no, there are there are ramifications of how these these children have been cared for early in life and and that will play out for a lifetime. And just understanding brain development and all of those things. And so we definitely began to see, um, and just even things that he uh, brings up even now as a young six-year-old, where we see um, that there are other solutions that are out there that are not necessarily his story, but could be the story of other children when you start looking at family preservation, when you start looking at poverty alleviation and all of those things. So I feel like our eyes have definitely been expanded of how you can care for children um, who who are in need of families or who are vulnerable around the world. So Phil, now I know that people would love to hear a little bit more about your story and what, what brought you to this place um, in orphan care. Well, as you might imagine, a lot of people ask me this question. And my response is usually very similar, which is I'm a living example that God can use anyone to do anything. Because something you know you know about me, but a lot of people don't, is that I'm a recovering attorney. And I was a lawyer for about eight years. And that was something that, you know, I thought going into that as a kid, I was gonna be a lawyer for the rest of my life but God had different plans. Now, first and foremost, I am a husband to one wife and a father to five children. And they are my number one ministry. They're the thing that I know God has me doing first and foremost in my life. But the other thing that I'm able to do is work in orphan care at at this point in my life. And it's something that I never thought I would ever do, like growing up. You know, I was born and raised in Southern California, went straight to undergraduate work in Northern California. Then I went to law school out in the South, worked, you know, my wife and I started our career or my career out in Atlanta. We started our family out there. We moved back to Northern California in the mid 2000s. And it was was then that I read a book that changed my life. The book was on human trafficking, but what it did was it got my mind thinking towards all these issues that you know trafficking is so intimately connected with the orphan crisis it's part of the orphan crisis because a good uh, chunk of the victims of human trafficking are orphaned and vulnerable children well virtually all of them almost by definition are vulnerable children and so that was something that that i just it all kind of crystallized in the mid 2000s like 2004 2005 right about the same time my wife becca she just said to me, hey, you know, we should think about adopting. And we thought about adopting and we actually started the adoption process, but we never have actually completed the adoption mainly because we kept having biological children. And so at one point we just realized, you know, I think that our family's complete. We felt that's the way it was. Now that may change at some point in the future, but now we have five kids and that's where we're going. But it really, um, 
the adoption was replaced really with the work that I've been able to do with, with an organization called Providence World. And that started when it was right around the same time that we started the adoption process. I was actually at a seminar uh, with a great organization, America World Adoption, and they, um, the guy that was doing that uh, seminar said, hey, there's this great place in Honduras you should check out if you're looking to start a ministry at your church, which I was, and I had talked with him about that, and, and he said, you should partner with an orphanage. And I said, I don't even know what that means. And he said, well, there's this great place in Honduras. It's actually not really quite an orphanage, but it's, it, it's, it's technically an orphanage. And he started talking about this, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And, but at the same time, I've never seen someone as passionate about, I'd, at that point, now I have, but I'd never seen someone as passionate about talking about orphan care. And so I had to check out this place. And it turns out there's a whole lot more to the story that we can share in our, our other interview. But... Um, the short of it is, I, I knew I was supposed to visit this place. So I went to Honduras, visited this place, and that was in 2006. The next year, I ended up joining the board of that organization. 2008, um, I actually left the law firm I was a part of and ended up uh, joining full-time with Providence as its research and development director. Six months or so after that, the president and founder left the organization and I took over as president. And that's really kind of the short version of a very cool, long story of how I ended up a lawyer, you know, kid from Southern California, ended up, you know, working and leading an organization in international orphan care. Definitely wasn't the plan. It rarely is the plan. I think it, our listeners will really enjoy just learning more about your story and hearing more about uh, your heart for the orphan and vulnerable children around the world. Tell us a little bit about um, some of the things you've done with Providence World since becoming president. Well, that's the other thing that's really kind of amazing to me is just to see the things that have happened since you know I took over as president. It's it was a time that I took over. I, I was I had no experience in any of this stuff really. And I sure as heck didn't have experience leading a nonprofit. And so early on, all I kept hearing from God was, yeah, Phil, you know, you're incompetent to do this stuff on your own, but I'm not. And I'll give you every bit of wisdom and discernment you need to do what you need to do. Just trust me. And it was this point, that was the most freeing thing I've ever heard from God in my life. And it, at the same time, challenged me to say, okay, what does that really mean? And so what I did was I just tried to learn everything as much as I possibly could about all this work. I tried to learn about, you know, and that, that's what I do. I research things. As a lawyer, I, I research and I analyze. And, and I try to find, you know, what's the solution? Well, the more I looked at this stuff, the more I realized there's no magic bullet. There's no solution that's gonna, that Phil Dark is gonna figure out. But what I also found as I was listening, as I was talking with people is, is there was all these different conversations that were going on. There weren't a lot of really good definitions. And as a lawyer, that drives you nuts because every contract that you see a lawyer has ever written has about 10 pages of definitions. Why? Because they know if they don't have those, there will be litigation later over the lack of clarity in that contract. And so when I kept hearing these conversations around, you know, at seminars, at conferences, at different places I was going, I realized we need to have a, a good understanding of these things. And so that actually led me to um, 
to look into writing something that would bring clarity to the conversation. And that, again, it's a much longer story than we have time for today, but it led to the creation of In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence, which originally started as a book that was going to be a glossary of terms effectively. And it turned into something that effectively provided and created a framework with 15 co-authors from all over the world to provide their expertise on really how we need to love every child in the world and what that looks like and what's necessary. And it wasn't a how-to manual. It's really a framing a conversation on how we can do this well together and collaborate together. The other thing that Providence does and has always done is, you know, we, we do research all over the world on this on these very difficult issues. And we particularly do research on how we can love the children who may not be adopted, who likely will not be adopted mm-hmm. in the near future, who likely who do not have family to, to reunify with or to be taken in by. They are in countries usually and often that, that it's not easy to adopt or it might even be illegal for whatever reason at this point to do international adoption. It may be very difficult to do domestic. So how can we love those children really well? And that's usually in some form of residential care. What does that look at? How can we do that in a family and bring family as much as possible to those places? And that is really what La Providencia in Honduras, that's the place that I visited back in 2006. It's our effectively our incubator model for all this research that we're doing to see how can we do this better? How can we continually improve on this care? And so it's really a place where we're testing theories out, like we talked about earlier, that theory practice gap. And how can we bridge that? There's several other things that there are other initiatives that we're doing. This podcast is one of those initiatives as well that we're just trying to clarify the conversation and to really bring people together. And that's really what Providence is all about. Mm. Well, I know we definitely look forward to hearing more about uh, Providence and, and your journey, but also the research that you're doing and how you're seeing that play out um, at, in, on a hands-on micro level. And I cannot highly recommend, um, or I can't recommend the book uh, In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence uh, more. It's a fabulous book. If you are new to the conversation of orphan care, it gives you a place of just knowing what are the issues, um, what are the different sides of issues, but also the comes at it from a biblical and a sociological uh, perspective and why we need to pursue excellence when we are caring for children around the world. So I really am excited that uh, we will have that linked on our page. So Phil, tell me kind of as we highlight a few of the things we're going to be covering in our podcast, what are two or three things that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's so many issues. There's so many issues that we're going to cover in this in this podcast. I mean, they range from deinstitutionalization, which is a big word that effectively means how can we... Uh, best provide families for these children who, who are in institutions. So a lot of the orphanages around the world are, are institutions. And how can we, how can we, it's not necessarily even shutting down the orphanages. You're not going to shut down the orphanages tomorrow. But it's how can we empty out those orphanages in a healthy way as best as possible. So that's a huge issue. Um, you know, adoption. So many issues surrounding adoption, foster care, so many issues, you know, but all of these issues and, you know, trafficking and poverty alleviation and these different things that are that are part of orphan care. There's there's so many things that go into each of those things. And we're going to talk about a lot of those issues on this show. Actually, talk about all those issues on this show. But the two things that really stick out to me that are really a big reason why I wanted to start this podcast is, you know, the, 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 the first one is is the uh, fact that a lot of people, particularly in the church, but a lot of people around the world, don't see the interconnectedness 
of so many of the issues of orphan care. They see it as a smaller spectrum than it actually is, or they think these issues are kind of in silos and are, are things that should be worked on individually. And so um, I, I, I say that kind of in, in the abstract, but the, the, the meat of it is there's orphan prevention that is poverty alleviation, family strengthening, discipleship of men and women. And we'll get into those in greater detail as we as we do this, so many of these shows. Kind of the, the middle part, which is the traditional, what people refer to as the orphan care continuum or the orphan care spectrum, which is adoption and foster care and orphanages. And then the backside of it, where if, if the children aren't loved well early on, there's, there's the trafficking, rescue and response, there's, and rehabilitation, there's the mentoring and, and the, all the issues that come alongside those things. But all of these things are interconnected. I mean, for instance, if we can alleviate poverty in a lot of these situations. And if we can strengthen families, there will be less need for adoption. There will be less need for trafficking, rescue, and response because parents won't feel so desperate to sell their child into slavery. I mean, that's something that you and I would, we can't fathom Mm -hmm. as parents of children to ever think about selling our child into slavery. But we've never stood in the shoes of someone who is in such desperation, such destitute situation, that they even think about that. Nor are we part of a culture where that really has become a norm. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, we can't fathom it, but it's a normal thing that happens every day. Now, all of these things are related to each other and interconnected with each other. And so that goes to the second issue, which is we have to figure out together you know, because right now we don't know how to communicate with each other about these things. We don't know how to have civil conversations about what's best. We're often, you know, saying this is the right way. This is the wrong way. You're wrong. You're, you know, we're right, whatever. And I'm seeing more and more of that civil conversation starting to surface. Mm-hmm. But it really, we need a common language to speak we need to know, and that, that's across these, you know, prevention, intervention, so that, you know, because I've been to so many churches and I've said, you know, I work in orphan care. And they say, oh, you know, yeah, we don't really do a lot in orphan care, but that's great that you're a part of that. And I say, well, tell me about some of the ministries you partner with. They said, oh, well, we work with Compassion. That's our big ministry. I said, well, that's orphan care. Mm-hmm. That's prevention. And it's family strengthening and it's poverty alleviation and it's discipleship. So it's preventing orphans. Or they'll say, oh no, we're, we're just really, I mean, trafficking has captured our church and we are working with a couple different organizations to fight against that. It's like, well, that's, tra- that, that's orphan care, mm-hmm. right? And so I said, I say to these people, you know, I would love to work with you to, to train you up on that. And so these are things that I see. Those are the two probably biggest issues. How about you? I mean, what what are you? Uh, what do you think? What, what what strikes you as the issues that you're excited to talk about on the show? But really, that stick out to you is two of the biggest issues because we know all these are massive issues. So, absolutely, and I I agree with you. I think it's just opening up the conversation and. Before you can have collaboration, you have to come at it with conversation and being able to look at all sides of an issue, look at what's working and what isn't working. And and just the interconnectedness that you described, I think those are are, are things that um, a lot of times when people hear the word orphan or orphan care, they think adoption and they think or fostering. Those are the only two things. 
And so I think allowing our listeners to hear how they can engage in the conversation um, for, as, as a family in the U.S., how can we help help in the orphan crisis? And so just exposing some of these things, highlighting different um, people who are doing a good work and how we can how they can interact uh, with them, how they can support. And so I think just opening the eyes of what orphan care is and the vast spectrum of what it covers are are truly going to make a difference uh, to people who are listening. I think the second thing is just um, just the looking at the child and looking at individual children and realizing um, the trauma they've experienced and how are we going to help bring about healing and redemption for these children, um, whether they're adopted, whether they're in a foster home, whether they're in an orphanage, whatever place they land on the spectrum, how can we help facilitate healing of the whole child? Um, and, and just entering into those conversations of what that's gonna look like. Yeah, no, those are two massive issues as well. And and that just actually, uh, you talking about that makes me think about, you know, the fact that we're called to mourn with those who mourn. And I know in the last couple of days, it'll give you an idea of when we recorded this. Um, I believe it was yesterday or two days ago that Dr. Karen Purvis passed away. And she is, for those of you who may not know that name, um, look her up and see the legacy that she has left on this earth. I mean, it's amazing. The the lives she has impacted and will continue to impact for generations to come is really unparalleled, I think, in our in our generation from a from the, the trauma um, uh, uh, side of things and just really being able to speak truth into how to love children well. Her book, The Connected Child, which we will we will put in the show notes as well, a link to that, um, is really I think it's always number one or two on the Amazon adoption um, book list for a good reason. It's phenomenal. And so anyway, I just want to pay our respects to uh, uh, Dr. Purvis and her family and just that we are praying with with you. And um, we just hope that God gives you a peace and a calm through this very difficult time mm-hmm. that only he can provide. Mm-hmm. So um, Kelly, I just want to, next I want to just kind of jump into the couple questions that we're going to be asking everyone we interview on this show, unless we forget, which hopefully we won't. <laughs> but uh, the first one is, and I'm just going to pose both of them to you. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, you can go ahead and give us the answers to them. So the first one is, uh, what have you read in the past year or so um, that has most impacted your thinking on, on the issues that we're going to talk about on the show? Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, what one person um, has most impacted your thinking on these issues? Well, I'm going to share a book that uh, I've read several years ago, but it is one that has probably shifted our hearts um, regarding uh, orphan care and adoption. Um, And that is the book Radical by David Platt. Um, We read it as a church um, probably five or six years ago, six, seven years ago, probably at this point. And what it did was just give us a different perspective of the American dream and what we are pursuing uh, to fulfill us and as those markers of status and uh, success and really just turned it all upside down for, for my husband and I. And we just began to say, how are we using our dollars? How are we using our uh, 
just our ministry and even in our family how are we how we viewed those things began to shift to a more gospel-centered um, approach, but also just a worldview of how our, how what we do here affects the world. And from that book really uh, put us on the path of adoption and um, changing the world of one, um, I should say. And then the honestly, the people who have influenced us the most toward adoption or influenced me towards adoption would be the church that we were a part of uh, in the Nashville area. Um, and it's LifePoint Church. And my husband was on staff there for about 10 years. And we just were in a culture where adoption became the norm on almost. And so we saw families, and it started with our pastor and his wife, just highlighting the worldwide orphan crisis. And then we saw them enter into the adoption arena. And from that, we saw a movement in our in our midst of just families, um, just really asking the question of how can I, how can I engage in this conversation? How can I, how can I um, open my home? And, and we saw different ways that that happened between foster care and domestic adoptions and international adoptions. And just to be able to walk in that uh, with families, not only on the journey of adoption, but also the journey of of after they brought the child home and after the big airport welcome and all the the, the hoorays for all of those things. But just to see these children um, come to life and just to see these kids struggle, um, just to see families kind of begin this process, this covenant that we call of adoption, of just bringing this child into their home. And then also just uh, the love that we saw poured out um, on families and on children really influenced our hearts for, for the remainder of our life, I have no doubt. So I will pose that question back to you. What is the book you have read that has most influenced you in the area of orphan care and what person? Yeah, I mean, there's so many books. Um, it's it's really an unfair question that I've created, and I apologize to myself and to everyone else who will be uh, having to answer that question. Who is a reader and a and a learner, and uh, but I think the one book in the last uh, you know few months that I've read, there's actually two, but they're they're by the same author, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. But uh, Andy Crouch has written a, a few books, and. The first two that, that I've read are Culture Making and Playing God, and both of them have given me a real um, deeper understanding um, into just the fact that we, as one person, are not going to change the world, you know, unless that one person is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and we aren't, right? That being said, we can change little parts of our world. And in Culture Making and Playing at Both, he talks about our roles as creators and cultivators. We are to cultivate creation, and in so cultivating, we will create new things as image bearers of Christ. These are pretty lofty concepts, but when you put bring them down to kind of the base level, it's effectively, you can change the world in front of you. You can, you know, your platform is in your home. Your platform is in your local church. Your platform might also be in some other place around the world, but it's not going to change the entire world. But we can work together, hand in hand with our brothers and sisters around the world who are doing this work, and we can change parts of the world that then will potentially together through collaboration change the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so this book has put it into language. Andy speaks my language. 
Um, I don't know if it's that intellectual, like lofty, heady stuff that, you know, I get into or if it's, you know, just because for whatever reason I, I connect with him, but the books are phenomenal and we'll put those, both of those books in the show notes as well. So, and then the person, um, there are actually two people, um, and the first, actually there's three people, but the first is a couple and, uh, there's lots and lots of people out there. So don't think if I'm, you know, if I don't say your name, don't get mad at me. Um, cause there are so many people that I can't name all of them, but the two, the couple that, uh, just have impacted my life in amazing ways, partly because a lot of people, they do so much behind the scenes are Dan and Terry Coley. And they actually, in the last couple years have done the empowered to connect conferences with Dr. Karen Purvis. But before that, and I knew them, you know, while I was in law school in Nashville, they, they have been a couple dedicating their lives to caring for the orphan and the vulnerable. I knew them when they had uh, two adopted uh, children. They also had fostered a bunch. And then after I, uh, you know, met them, they kept fostering children, kept adopting children, and I've lost count. Um, but beyond that, they are the most humble, just servant-hearted people you'll ever meet. They don't cram it down your throat and say, oh, you have to do this, or if you don't do this, you're this or that. It's like, look, we're called to do this and we do it. And it's not a show, it's their hearts, it's who they truly are, and they have so much knowledge and they share it with you if you ask and they will share it with you in a humble way that's just, you know, it's amazing to me. I love them like part of my family. And also, as you'll hear in the story, they have a massive role that they had no idea they had in why I am talking on a microphone today about orphan care. Um, and I'll, you know, leave that for you to be able to hear that as part of the other story. But, uh, the other guy is, is a man who is, you know, really a rock star in the orphan care subculture, but you'd never know it just talking with him on the street. Um, the guy is Rick Morton and he's written Orphanology and No Orphans. And we'll put those again, links to the show notes for, for that and uh, for you to be able to pick those books up because they are fantastic books. But that's not why he's impacted me so much. How, why he's impacted me so much is because of his humble um, spirit and his understanding that he knows a whole heck of a lot through education, through personal experience, through professional experience. He has done so much in this field over the last couple decades in different ways. Um, but he also has a complete humble approach to it where he will say, and he has said to me over the last couple weeks, there's no magic bullet here. No one knows it all. We have to learn from each other. And to hear that from this guy over and over and to see him live it out has encouraged me to try to do the same in how we're doing this work as through Providence, how I'm doing this work personally, and how we hope to do this through the podcast. That's great. I can't wait to hear more from um, from our guest as they share the books and the people that have influenced them. I think that's going to be a great resource for for us, but also for our listeners. So guys, this was our first episode of the Think Orphan podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We thank you for the download. Join us on our next episode as we interview, as Phil had a chance to interview Jed Medifin. I think it's going to be a great listen for for you all. Um, please 
take time to like our Facebook page, the Think Orphan Facebook page, but also to uh, connect with us at the thinkorphan.com website where we welcome your questions, we welcome any kind of comments, and we really encourage you to join us in this conversation of, of how we can all better engage in the orphan crisis around the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. And for all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.